All right, hello everyone. Welcome back to another edition of Indie Flicks with Donnie and Miranda. If it sounds vastly different, it's because this is the first time we are recording in the same location. We are in Miranda's house. Yeah. AKA the studio. The studio. <laughs> and just right off the bat, I want to get into our first segment, um indie news. Um so Robert Eggers, um who also is the director for The Lodge, The Witch, and that film with uh, William Defoe. The Lighthouse? Yes, yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. And along with him and another uh, famous uh, director, John Woo, they recently made comments about real cinema and how they prefer that over superhero films. So they're waiting in on the thing that Scorsese started pretty right. much. And they're saying that there aren't that many movies like real cinema lately. And I think like the question I have about it is what do you think of it? So I was actually having this conversation the other day with with our friend Finn cuz they went they went to film school. Right. And so I was talking to them the other day. We were out like getting drinks. And I was like, do you feel like there's a difference between a movie and a film? Right. And I was like, and I can enjoy both of those things. Mm -hmm. I was like, right, like a superhero movie to me, like, that's like a movie. Right. You know, like I'm going to the movies, like I just want to eat popcorn or watch something Mm -hmm. like I don't have to think too hard about. Whereas like a film to me, I I do get what they're saying because a film to me, it's like going to like an art museum or something. You're like, you're like, okay, I want to think about this. I Mm -hmm. want to like experience this i know that sounds so pretentious but like, no i mean but i do think like there is a difference but i don't think one is better than the other i just think they're two kind of different experiences see i'm going to disagree with you so on my way here i got into an argument with somebody on IndieWire. um i, I on thought their... you were gonna say with your uber driver <laughs> <laughs> right i just got into it like with my uber driver uh and we got into like this huge debate. It's you could probably see it like on IndieWire, like if you go to the like their latest um posts about like the Jimmy Woo comment. And we're I'm just arguing in the comments. Um we're probably still arguing. Uh, I haven't checked my notifications yet. But <laughs> I I I, I made a <laughs> and it's like this is like something like I'm really passionate about. Like we're two like film enthusiasts. Uh, you're a filmmaker. I'm a screenwriter, and mm-hmm. like that's like our job. And I'm also a journalist. So like I cover film festivals and stuff like that. So when people say like I I hate when like directors use that because. I, I think of it as, oh, they're, like, looking to promote their new film or something like that. Right. And I, I necessarily can't put all the blame on the directors because at the end of the day, it's still, like, these dumbass journalists who are asking these questions. That's true. Which I absolutely hate. It's it's all clickbaity and, like, they're trying to, like, get a rise out of people. I, I think of it this way, sort of. Like, I think of, like, if you were, like, an artist... And, like, again, it's, like, you don't, it's, like, it's not, like, one person's, like, better than another person, Mm -hmm. but it's kind of, like, people who are, like, artists versus, like, those moms that make, like, t-shirts with words on them, and they're, like, this is my art. (laughs) You know what I mean? So it's kind of, like, that's a really bad analogy. I'm trying to think of, like, a good analogy. Like, it's, like, you can, both things can be true. Like, oh, like, are these both, like, artsy things? Yes. Mm -hmm. But, like, are they serving a different purpose? Like, also, yes. I feel like, but, again, I don't like when these directors 
act like that makes them like better than someone else. Right. And the the most one that people probably recognize is Martin Scorsese when he was doing um The Irish Gentleman and I'm not sure if he well, they didn't do press for like uh Killers of the Flower Moon mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. there was a strike. Um but yeah, I remember like back when he was like doing that like extruding long three hour plus uh, movie the Irish gentleman that could have been condensed down to <laughs> like like an hour and a half. And it reminds me of like the Marvel's director, Nina Colts. Um she made a comment about like if you have a story to tell, it doesn't like yeah. however long you need to tell your story, that's how long it should be. Yeah. Like if you can condense it down to like an hour and thirty minutes and do that. Yeah. And I feel like that's what Marvel was. It was sweet. It was nice. I know you don't like Marvel. So maybe that has some it's sense. It's like not my thing. You know yeah. what I mean? It's, like, and like it's understandable. Wrong, yeah. Yeah. It's just like not my thing. I definitely love X-Men movies, but it sucks. They can't really be in like the Marvel universe over that whole thing with Fox that happened years ago. Or yeah. Whatever. I mean, now they can because. That's true. Now they can. Marvel yeah. now owns the rights back to it and they own uh, 21st Century Fox. Like, I'll put it this way, Deadpool, mm-hmm. that's one of my favorite, like, Deadpool and Deadpool 2, one of right. my favorite movies, like, probably in the last 10 years that I've seen, like, both of those movies. So I hated good. the Deadpool Really? Films. I thought they were so funny. I People absolutely so love them. I, okay, I, I hated the first one, and I think that's just because it was, like, like, it's, like, the original or, like, the origin stories are never, like, really good when it comes to, like, superhero films. Right. Because everybody's, like, trying to find their footing. They're trying to, like, build storylines. It's kind of like how we've had to see, like, Batman's parents get shot, like, 80 times. Right. And it's like, the thing, yeah. past that. Like, once, like, Marvel, like, acquired the rights to Spider-Man, they decided that they're not going to do an origin film. And I, that's what I like about it. Because right. we've already saw Uncle Ben die How many multiple times. times. We have to kill like Uncle and ben. yeah, like we don't have to kill <laughs> Batman's parents again. Like they're like we're done with like superhero origins, like of like popular characters like that, right. like Wonder Woman, Superman, stuff like that. We don't need an origin film. Everybody already knows it. They're iconic in pop culture. But back to my point about Scorsese, he said the same thing. He was like, "Oh, they're like." amusement park um like films like they don't serve no purpose and i'm just like the the only people that say that are like film bros who think the goodfellas and they only watch the godfather like 20 times like it's their favorite film and i'm and this is what i was arguing in the comments is like i'm like i i like both like i'm a film journalist so i specialize in box office films but I also specialize in small art house films right and the thing is it's like it's not one or the other like the box office has never been about art house films it's about entertainment yeah it's never been that it hasn't been that since the dawn of the new Hollywood era yeah when um Steven Spielberg Leonardo DiCaprio Mars Scorsese and all of them decided to shift the power of like the director's power like into the hands Like, the director's now a more defined role. But it's never been like that for a long time. I agree with that. And I think... So I guess that, like, makes me, like, agree. Actually, I think we don't disagree that much. Because my thing is just... I get what they are saying, but I think it's okay that both things exist. Because they kind of serve a different purpose Mm -hmm. for me. And it's kind of like... 
the way Scorsese said it was, like, a dickhead way to say it, but, like, yeah, one of them, I feel like, is more purely for just, like, oh, fun and entertaining, and, like, it's, right. you know, just, like, I'm enjoying this, mm-hmm. and I want to be entertained, I want to go to the movies, you know, like, this is a great time. Yeah, but does that, does that mean it's not real cinema? No, I just think it's, like, two, no, I don't think that means it's not real cinema, I just think there's, like, two different genres of like, like I said, like, I always say, like, movie versus film, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and that's kind of the way I like to think about it. Right, yeah. Like, okay, this is a movie. This is a film, mm-hmm. you know? Like, to me, like, that's what it is. But again, I don't think one is better than the other. Or, like, I just think they serve, like, two different purposes. Like, we went to see right. Priscilla last night. Mm-hmm. They weren't showing it at any of, like, the big theaters here. We had to go to the film society. Right, yeah, exactly. And I was like, oh, because this is kind of like, yeah, like a film. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, at the movies, they were showing, like, um you know, like, I don't know what's out right now. Um, Marvels. Marvels, like, for example. Yeah, right. But here's the other thing, too. Scorsese and these guys, like, yeah, they have a lot of money. So they can say these things. Robert Eggers is, you know, has a lot of money now. He can say these things. The Marvel directors and stuff, though, are smart because they're making a ton of money. Look how much right. money these movies bring in. Like, to be honest, like, look what they do for the industry in mm-hmm. terms of, like, cash revenue generating and, like, giving people jobs in the film industry. Right. You know? I I, th- I just think it's, um, yeah, I, I, I think it's, like, when people say it's not real cinema, um, I think it downplays, like, a lot of, like, what goes into, like, making films. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about costume design. Is that not a creative um Oh, wow. When you think route? about it in, like, Marvel movies, that's You're talking really about intense. set design. Yeah. You're talking about lighting, engineering, sound mixing, and stuff like that. So, when, like, people say things like that, it's just... It, it, it really, like, riles me up because it's, like, I, I'm a huge believer in art and culture, mm-hmm. and I, I see them both. Like, if, if I want to, like, turn my brain off for a while and just look at, like, a visual appealing film, which was Marvel's, I will go see it in theaters. But mm-hmm. if I want to, like, watch, like, the next, um, next Wes Craven of horror films, I, I will go, like, to a festival or I'll see it like on like one of these streaming platforms when the rights right. are brought and stuff like that. So it, it's just like, it, it's annoying. And I like got into it with the guy like on like um, the comments and you know, he had the audacity to say to me, he like went through my profile and he was like, Oh, like you follow, you follow like uh, sports, like the Marvel films are like are targeted to you. I'm like, first of all, I follow. I was like, first of all, thank you for going through my profile. Yeah, you. But, yeah. Okay. Like, stay, but stay second, first. it was like I follow like the Philadelphia Union, the Eagles, Phillies, Sixers, and Flyers, yeah. and those are all Philadelphia-based teams. Yeah. I don't follow NFL. I'm not following ESPN or Bleacher Report or something like that. It's like I'm following yeah. like sports. I was like, I grew up in like Philadelphia. It's a it's like in my blood. Like I came out the womb saying "fuck the Cowboys." Right. So it's like that has right. nothing to do with it. And I was like, and what? Even if you did really like sports, people can't like two things. Like right. Yeah. Exactly. Like it's like films. I'm like there's <laughs> there's no, no like it, it's it's like I like films and I like both films and I I think people like have and I think people have a hard time remembering like what is box office. 
Like you're yeah. not going to the box office to I don't want to say like not be entertained because it is entertaining films, but you're you're not going to the box office to later go home and search on like a indie website about how this film ended and what did it mean or something like yeah, that. Yeah, no, exactly. If I'm going, like I said, to the movies, it's usually like summertime or like around mm. this time of year, like it'll be like on like when it was like a slow, like boring, like Christmas day, my family would be like, okay, well, the movies are actually open tonight. Like, let's right. all just go see a movie. Exactly. Like, you know? like, like I'm, I'm going to the movie theaters yeah. in the summer to watch Transformers. I'm here Hell to yeah. see Vin Diesel talk about family like 127 times and, and drink a really cor- good popcorn and drink a Corona. Exactly. And, just <laughs> and really like popcorn. I'm watching, I'm watching because I like the, the Marvel like storyline and stuff like that. Like, cause I'm like a comic book guy and I like seeing like, the characters from the page like be played right. out in the films and stuff like that. Speaking of, I'm not sure about Pedro Pascal playing Mr. Fantastic. <laughs> I really like Pedro Pascal, but I feel like he's having this like era right now where mm-hmm. everyone like where he's just so like hot right now in the industry. Right. Everyone's like cast him in everything. Yeah, like he like they were like in major talks because he's like finishing up two films. They were like on the writer mm-hmm. strike, so it was like the schedule is off and stuff like that. But apparently they want Adam Driver and they talked to Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> but apparently Jake Gyllenhaal wanted more money and Adam right. Driver, I think, was too expensive. Yeah. And I feel like Pedro Pascal is in the same vein, but he's not like the guy that I would look at and be like, hey, like he's Mr. Fantastic. Right. I mean, yeah, I agree. To be honest, I agree. But... I don't know. I don't know. Maybe we'll see. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, we'll see what they can do. You know, yeah, Marvel usually, yeah, Benedict Cumberbatch, and then he was really good in that role. Yeah, Marvel is pretty spot on with like casting and stuff like that. So I'm not too worried about it. But it's just like, like, are they just casting them because they need a big name, or because I feel like it does kind of seem that way. Because the the Fantastic Four is like, it was like one of Marvel's like best selling like comic book runs. Like it's. Marvel's first family, their first family of superheroes. Yeah. And everybody knows them. So it's like, you don't really need, like... the movie iterations have not done well. Like, the two movies they've tried to make Yeah, with Michael B. Jordan and Miles Teller. Yeah. Yeah, we don't talk about that, yeah. It's so bad. It's like how we don't talk about Ryan Reynolds as Deadpool in the Wolverine movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God, where he had, like, the the faceless uh, mouth or something like that. Wrong. So actually, that's I think that's what I liked about Deadpool is I like the X Men universe, and mm-hmm. so Deadpool's like from that universe, obviously, or whatever. And I like that Ryan Reynolds wanted to get that movie made to make it right. Right. Like, <laughs> like there was like years before actually. where, like, there was like leaked screen tests of it, and the fact that he like got it made and stuff like that. Like I like things like that when you have like a superhero. And an actor who's dedicated to that. Yeah. With like Iron Man and Robert Downey Jr., Hugh Jackman, and a Wolverine. I'm pretty sure Robert Downey Jr. is Iron Man. Yeah, he essentially is. And that's the other thing to add to actually to this. Like, and this is like my last point on it. These directors love to say stuff like this, but a lot of these actors who are like very, very, very like good, serious actors are in Marvel movies. Robert Downey Jr. was in Oppenheimer this summer. Mm-hmm. And he's Iron Man. Right. Like, you so can these do... actors are very I mean, look at Elizabeth Olsen and yeah, stuff Brie like Larson. that. Yeah, Brie Larson. Great actress. Great actress. And then she's in the Marvels, right? She's exactly. So Marvels. it's like you can do both, but yeah. like 
I this is just for directors. Just stop calling out like Marvel films as not real cinema. This is just pretentious. Like it does it, just it, sound yeah. pretentious. It's like I get what they are trying to because say. Because if if we're gonna look at sounds... it, it's like the superhero era, even though it has been the most profitable, it's not something that hasn't been done through time. Like nineties slashers. Remember yeah. those were hot for a while. Cowboy Westerns, silent films, like apocalypse films where they ran from like 2000 to 2012. Like, so it's not something like we're not seeing something different in the yeah. box office. It's just that this is the new box office. This, favorite yeah, thing it right just now. has been the most longest running and it appeals to like a broader audience. But right. it, there will become a time where these films start to fall off. And right. that's just. That's just how it is. That's just like what happens. Yeah. Exactly. It's like that nature of it. So I feel like these directors, it's also, like I said, Scorsese and these guys are so rich at this point. I'm like, just shut the hell up, make your money and just keep your mouth shut. Right. Yeah. Like if I was the director, uh, like a pretentious director, although I hope not to be, um, if somebody asked me that, I would just be like, no comment. Right. Exactly. You could just It's not that hard to say that. You could just not say anything. But like you trying to tarnish your record and reputation by saying, oh, like, superhero films are not real cinema when there's like countless creative passion that goes into these films and stuff like right. that. It's, it's, you just come off as a dick and just an asshole. Right. And just because you're like arguing with some guy on like the internet, you're not better than me just because you like... Was this the, on the IndieWire Instagram? Don't yeah, it was oh on IndieWire. I'm pretty sure you can find the comment like right at the top. Just because you're like arguing with me that you like seeing like the godfather or something like that oh you're you're not, not the godfather. yeah you're not like that better off like and like my favorite film is boyhood and america honey a lot of people haven't seen that but it's just like it, it's it's not it's not like you're not you're not gonna win an award because you don't watch superhero films right <laughs> it just shows that you're following the box office and you don't know actually what real sentiment is. Right. No, I agree. I agree. I am looking for your comment, but did you have other other uh, indie news for us today? Yes. Yeah, so one more, and it's going to be really short. Um, so Ridley Scott, a really talented director, he did the 300 movies, uh, the Suicide mm-hmm. Squad, and... Alien. Aliens and stuff like that. He recently clapped back at people who criticized the Napoleon films for not being historically accurate. And it's also something that Scorsese did when he did did, uh, Killers of the Flower Moon. And my question is, how if you're doing a biopic or a historical film, uh, how accurate should you be with your film? Or should you have more creative flow? Right. I think it's kind of like the thing where, like, Napoleon's been dead so fucking long that mm-hmm. it's kind of like, yeah, take your artistic liberty, right? Like, right. I think, like, like I was telling you, we went to see Priscilla last night. I was saying this a minute ago. Mm-hmm. And it's like, Priscilla Presley is someone who's, like, still alive, right? right? And they will see this film probably. Like, they're still living. You want to, like, make sure, like, you tell their story well. If I want to take somebody like Napoleon who has been, like, the butt of so many jokes for all this time, and, like, his life has been... It's like what Sofia Coppola did with Marie Antoinette, Mm -hmm. right? It's like, no, it's not going to be totally accurate, because these are more, like... Yes, they're real people, but they're, like, characters, almost, because they're, like, so historically, like... 
because they like transcend essentially like exactly their yeah. their uh their lifetime exactly yeah it's like, like so yeah you, so um, they become more like like Greek gods or right. something like it's, that it's like saying like oh if I made a movie like you know about King Tut and it wasn't completely accurate it's like written in hieroglyphs like you know right I mean? yeah like, I, I'm gonna like I think. Because I'm like such like a history buff, I I think I'm gonna disagree because I feel like if I'm watching like a historical film, I want you to be as accurate as possible, and you can still do that while giving your creative um, filmmaking skills to it. Sure, sure. But if there's so many inaccuracies with your film, like a lot of people are pointing out, I I feel at that point why make a historical film right because again i'm like maybe he just did it because he just likes like the idea of like napoleon like the character right napoleon. yeah because i'm like maybe it's less about like the history of like napoleon and more about from what i've seen and i've just watched a few clips of it i haven't mm-hmm. actually gone to see well I, it's not even out yet is it? it comes out this week i think yeah 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 well either way i'm like isn't a lot of it just about his relationship with like josephine because that was wild that was crazy. His relationship with Josephine, we had to read the letters in my history class in college, <laughs> and they were disgusting. If you don't think people were, like, sexting in the 1800s, they were. They were just having to write it down. And those <laughs> letters were insane. So I'm, like, I thought the movie was a lot about, like, that. Like, his crazy relationship with her and stuff, too. But I don't know. Yeah, he said he, I really don't care. He also said but, the French don't like themselves, which I thought was... Which I... One of my very good friends is French, and I, I have to ask her what she thinks about this now. My friend Steph, she lives in France, and I want to be like, Steph, what do you think about this comment? Really, Scott said, I quote, He's fascinated, revered, in love, more famous than any man or leader or politician in history. How could you not want to go there? But yeah. then when you start to go, oh my God, and then you say, Christ, we can't eat for another hour, it's too long. He said he's not a fan of that. I mean, like I said, like if you're going to make a historical film, I want it to be as accurate as possible. Um, right. But that's just me. Maybe everybody's not that way. Right. Right. It's And again, I get what he's saying. And maybe it's just because, again, like it's Napoleon, right? So I feel like if you're going to make a historical film about like something that's like really... I don't know, like something that you're like being like, hey, like like World War Two movies, right? It's like right. I really actually want those, unless you're like Quentin Tarantino and you're doing Inglorious Bastards and you're just making a crazy movie. No, <laughs> like, that's, that's not gonna be a, a great point. Like Inglorious Bastards, because that's like, totally not accurate. It's, it, like it's not accurate at all, but it's yeah, like you said, like if you're gonna do something like that, do like a retelling, like in the veins of like Inglorious Bastards or. What's the other film that we saw? Jojo Rabbit. Yes. Where yeah, it was essentially Jojo about Rabbit Hitler. And like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood also. With the, with the absolutely love that film. Yeah, yeah absolutely. There. Yeah. So like Quentin Tarantino is definitely like. He's good at that. Somebody actually. that yeah. I would like. Okay. I, I can see where you're going at. But like really Scott. Like he did 300. Which I thought was a fantastic film. And it had some historical inaccuracies. But I still think it was a great film overall. Yeah. And the action scenes and the violence and all that was, I felt like, really in vain with, like, the, the uh, what was the war? The Polynesian War, I believe? Or the Roman War? Was yeah, Sparta. it was, because it was, yeah, yeah, because it was Sparta and, was it the Persians? That they yeah, were the Persian yeah, the War, Persians, I believe, yeah. yeah. 
that was a great film. But yeah, if you're just going to go like the historical route and try to make like a biopic, and I think pretty pretty sure the film is based on like it's based on the uh Napoleon's life, but I think it takes place like during around like a certain war or something like that. Uh, yeah, and I think it's because right, it probably spoiler alert, which is always so funny to say about historical movies because like right. we all know we how all it know. ends. Right? <laughs> spoiler alert! I'm wondering if it will show like yeah up to the end where he finally Waterloo. That's where he finally was right, defeated. Yeah, yeah. Was like Waterloo, like you know, and like that's even that's a metaphor. Abba has that song like Waterloo. It's also <laughs> you know? like the name of like my favorite like sparkling water band. Uh, like it's oh yeah, it is. It's Waterloo. called Waterloo. I absolutely love their uh, sparkling water. I guess that's my point. Like, everything about Napoleon is so, like, iconic that, mm-hmm. to me, it was, like, Sofia Coppola's Marie Antoinette. Like, that's such an iconic person, too. They almost transcend, like, the real person, and it's just kind of like, oh, this character. Right. Like, even when you're, like, doing, like, a based on the book or something like that. Yeah. Like, Palo Alto was a great, uh, like, it was, like, word for word, essentially what James Frankel put down on his, uh, his, um, his book. Also, with the person being a wallflower another favorite film and it was like word for word so it was just like don't touch like the source material especially like something that's like well known if you're not going to work within that vein of like trying to keep it as accurate as possible i know what you mean or just go the quentin tarantino route and just do like something like like crazy crazy. yeah something so crazy that it's like obviously like a re reframing of the story right Alright, so this week we're diving into the Mayu. Um, it's a horror comedy uh film directed by uh Mark Minoy. And the screenplay is written by Seth Reese and William Tracy. You know what I found interesting? The, uh Will Farrell was one of the producers. I saw that. Yeah, when like the like opening credits were like coming on or whatever. I was like, Yeah, I was like so surprised. I was like, I didn't know like he did like horror. Yeah. It's interesting because yeah, where it has like the comedy element, but to see him step into that, like a more like yeah, not because his normal like brand of humor is so like goofy. (laughs) I mean, right, yeah, yeah. And a lot of people are not fond of like his acting and stuff like that. I have a friend who like Find some like annoying in a sense, but then again, like I I can totally understand because there are some days where I find like Kevin Hart annoying and stuff like that. Like my favorite like at uh comedians is probably um probably Sebastian Maniscalco, and mm-hmm. I feel like that's it. Like there's not like a lot of comedy specials that I've seen in my day, right? And and in the menu too. So this is interesting in this film, where it stars um, Ralph Fiennes, Nicholas Holt, and Anya Taylor Joy. Mm-hmm. I've seen Nicholas Holt dip a little bit into the comedic side of things because you know he did like Renfield recently, and he's played like other roles, like that zombie movie that he did where he was like the like zombie heartthrob guy. I don't know. Like he does like silly slapstick stuff. Sometimes. Was that him? Normal heart. Yeah, I think that was Nicholas Holt, right? I believe so. Was it? I think he was uh, just much younger. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. But I've never seen Ralph Fiennes or Anya Taylor-Joy do comedy. And and the way comedy is done in this film is very, it's very interesting, I thought. Right, so 
if you're not familiar with the the premise of the movie is the menu basically focuses on a young couple who visit an exclusive destination restaurant hosted by this um i'm not sure exactly how many stars he has we'll just say michelin star chef um and he curates this special menu for a select few uh customers and stuff like that and as the night goes on the customers start to become more embedded within the menu and so to say yes when i first heard the name of the film and saw the trailers I thought this was going to be a cannibal movie. Right, yeah. I, I thought Not he was, yeah. <laughs> I, I think that's the way it was presented because I, I seen this movie like um maybe a couple of uh, months ago and I remember it came out quite a while ago, like in um, 2022. And I just remember thinking, oh, like it seems by the premise like the the chef is going to cook all the the guests and stuff like that, but that's not like, actually what happens in a sense. Yeah, because because that's what I thought. I was like, oh, they're on the menu, but right. But, yeah. and, and, you know, it's funny that that is still the horror element. Is like sort of yes, <laughs> but sort of, but it's not cannibalism. It's something completely different. And I think something this did really well too is like um, this was slow burn horror. I think too in a lot of yeah. ways. I'm starting to realize that's, like, my favorite, like, horror films. But they don't just, like, throw you into, like, it being, like, ah, horrific, like, boo scary. Like, this this movie, I really just loved how, like, Ralph Fiennes is such a good actor and, like, Anya Taylor-Joy is such a great actress and and just the interactions between them and just how things... This film is a really good exercise when, like, rising tension. It's kind of, like, at first you start watching it and, like, oh, it's a little comedic because some of the really rich people that are being spoofed. Like there's like an actor with his assistant or some of the guests, right. a very old wealthy couple. So oh, like, God, I, I hated her, her yeah, editor. Yeah. It, it was, uh, his name was Ted and he, he was just like a, and I guess that like speaks to like their, their, um, their relationship in a sense. So mm-hmm. some of the, the critics were, so Nicholas Holt plays a foodie. Um, they don't yeah. necessarily die. I, I think he's more of, wouldn't you say he's like a, a Instagram foodie or in a sense, like something yeah, like that? Like, he doesn't, like a, yeah. He like doesn't seem well established as the other critic, but he's like, like he he knows his way around a plate, or so we think. Right. He's like so, definitely the yeah. kind of guy that's. I think you hit the nail on the head. Like Nicholas Holt's character, like he brings Anya Taylor Joy as his date, but he is there kind of for like the optics like he wants like you said like his instagram followers to think he's like very culturally refined you know right, his palate yeah. is very refined because he knows a lot about good food and like he's definitely it, one of those, yeah like, it, it definitely comes like, back to Instagram. Biden. yeah, yeah. Uh, so yes. it's it's tyler played by uh nicholas holt and then anya who uh plays margo and mm-hmm. margo is just his date as we find out um it was a slight change in the the um the reservation like she wasn't supposed to be there and it starts to drastically affect the chef's menu going forward yes so it's thumb three and then as we talked about the uh the well-established food critic and her editor ted and then we get a older couple 
a wealthy couple who's been to the island that we find out 11 times. So they're more of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Locals. They're more of like locals or returning customers. Like, like his regulars, sort of. Yeah, regulars, like that's regulars. the word I was looking yeah. for. Yeah, regulars. And then we get the, the fading movie star and his assistant, who was he's thinking funny. about leaving. Yeah, uh, what is his name again? He he's such a he's such a good actor. Is it John Leguizamo? Yeah, yeah, John Leguizamo, the guy that yeah, played yeah. the uh, we, uh, Mario and the uh, the live action film. And mm-hmm. he's he's such good. And the the girl Amy Harrisado, I saw her on a show called uh called Young and Hungry with uh the other Disney star, and she was actually pretty good in that. But I really haven't seen her anywhere else. But she was also good. And then we get these these financial bros. Um yep. and the way bros. Yeah, the way they're portrayed is like these rich. Just think of just think of going to New York and walking on the Wall Street. And you yeah. can throw a rock and hit one of these guys. Or you maybe seen them around like your college campus coming out the financial uh department with his guys and they're they're going away to Aspen for the weekend or something <laughs> like that. Or they're like hosting some big party that your your low Instagram follower or your local income doesn't really justify lending you in the party. Those oh kind God. of guys. Those and, and they're and they're telling you to invest in crypto like right now, like right now you got. Oh yeah, do it, like bro. the, the bubble is gonna burst. Bro. Like yeah, it's exactly. it's, the, it's the wave of the future, dude. <laughs> well, and I think and, I like the, the the film. Really, I think what made it comedic. It's not like there's a lot of like outright jokes told. There's some of like um, the subtext on like the screen that will be sort of funny sometimes. And the, this yeah. film was interesting with that too. But what I liked was it's these characters being so over the top it's like from the beginning we kind of are getting margot's point of view she sort of leads us through the film right and and she's the only person there clearly that is like normal like everyone else is like like embarrassingly over the top and i love that that was like the humor element was like how obnoxious these people are like you know like it's kind of fun they'll be like oh you know and the last guest that is at the island or at at the dining experience is his uh alcoholic mother linda mm-hmm. and she mm-hmm. doesn't arrive with the other guests on the island um she's already there and the the first i i do like the way like this is like shot because the first introduction we get of the dynamic between Margot and uh tyler is when they're like on the boat and he starts mm-hmm. to take out his phone and tries to like take a a picture and stuff like that and then, like, as, like, they're, like, coming off the boat, the other guests, and she's, like, smoking a cigarette and stuff like that. And he's very, like, condescending. Like, you yes. you get this type that he only cares about, like, his status, like, his social media status and, and his sense and stuff like that. Yes. And I think that was, like, really nice, like, really well done. Yeah, and she's, like, really real. So, like, from the beginning, like, like you were saying, we don't really know at first as the viewers that she's not supposed to be his date. And that's sort mm-hmm. of, you know, what, what sparks the conflict. But it, I like how they did that, how they showed the stark difference between them, which kind of leads naturally into that. Like, we find out, like, oh, 
she's not supposed to be here and there's a reason he brought her here. Right. And then horror starts to sort of unfold and just, just the whole way, like, yeah, everything with that was like shot and set up. Like you said, which is very like, it, it was done very intentionally. It felt very like intentional and like, it was like showing instead of telling with the story, which I love right. that in movies. And as they like get, give are given the tour the maitre d uh elsa when they are presented tyler and Margot, and tyler presents his like reservation and he's like oh like miss so-and-so i forgot her name isn't dining with us so instead i brought Margot, and you can see elsa like pause and she's like what the fuck are you doing like she's like this menu has been carefully cultivated for each guest and you're throwing a wrench in the plan. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of like the first dynamic. It, it's so mysterious as they like tell it throughout the film that I didn't pick up on it at first. I'm just like, like what, why does it matter that he like brought this date? And we see to learn that like later on in the film, but yes. they're like taken to the Island and it's like this beautiful, like everything is like minimalistic. Like, it's, like, clear-cut. You have these, this beautiful ocean on the island, the sand. And then you, like, in a backdrop, you have all this, like, uh, like this dead wood. Like, almost like it's, like, washed up ashore. Yeah, but like it's supposed to be, like, yeah. That. Like, it's supposed to be some elegant island, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And I think that was, like, beautifully shot. I thought so, too. And, yeah, and then the the setting of the restaurant itself is definitely, like, that refined like minimal elegance like when they go in i love that and it's sort of interesting too and i'm like maybe there's something metaphorical about this because it's all glass all the walls are glass right it's like wide open like they can see the ocean like you know you could see inside and they can see outside and it's just very like the more i've thought about it i'm like is that intentional i wonder <laughs> like was that like a very like intentional set design choice i don't know but either way Right, yeah, I, I, I think, like, it, it just shows, like, the chef, uh, Julian, he, he just, he doesn't, like, he doesn't have anything to lose. Yeah. Like, he's, he's very self-aware, in a sense, and he's been on this path for a while that's, that's not necessarily a path anymore. It's more like a random like broken like wooden planks in a sense like he he doesn't have the passion anymore and right. i just i think that speaks to exactly what he thought throughout his career he right. i think he always like felt like he didn't belong and i i think this uh this dinner is a way to show it right and sort of you know and what what we end up finding out is you know as this starts to go on at first it is just you know, you get like the little creepy hints of things being sort of strange, whatever. But the first time you really see things go like really left is when he starts to show like just this anger. Like you said, yeah. you start to see that he's like a man with nothing to lose and you realize what his menu really is going to be um, when he, um, and I believe this happens first, he, um, yeah, gets uh, like his, like, like, like the gun. And he just makes yeah. that guy shoot himself. <laughs> well, before that, like, so going through the courses, I forgot how many there were, but on course, the third course, that's where we start to see, like, everything just, like, go downhill. 
where they are served tortillas. And on the tortillas are various secrets and conspiracies detailing each guest. Like what the financial bros, they uh, on their tortilla is ingrained uh, business transactions, which is fraud. They're yeah, defrauding their investors and yeah. stuff like that. With the, the old couple, the returning guests, they are shown um, the guy with a girl in a restaurant. And like that's where we, yeah, that's where we start to learn his connection with uh, Margot, and yes. with the the food critic, the big food critic. They are shown various restaurants that she's closed down based on her reviews, and yeah. I, I think that's such like an interesting thing that's not really talked about, like in the food industry, especially with food criticism, is like your reviews being as big as you are can shut down a restaurant and stuff like that. And throughout the, the entire dining experience, she's, she basically has this way of saying, look, like I made this chef, like he wouldn't be nothing without me. And of course her fucking echoing, God, I hated that guy. Like his, his just the way he speaks is just like, yes. Like I totally agree. Like everything you say. Yes. And like it was the, just like surround Kanye West. Like you can tell that no one's ever told that man no in his entire right. life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Her editor is a, basically a yes man. And he's sense. a yes man. Yep. Right. And then with that washed up actor he's shown, which I don't think he was shamed of his, uh, his big failure movie where he played like a doctor or something like that. Like a big, like corny, like flop movie that he made. Well, yeah. yeah, but I don't think he was necessarily like, like he knew it was bad, but I don't think he was like embarrassed. So I don't I, think that effect had the desired yeah. one. Well, because I went back and forth on this a lot of times when I was watching the movie. I think most of the people there were like terrible, but actually, that actor and his assistant, they didn't seem that bad it kind of got me thinking of like how we talked about Saul once mm-hmm. and we talked about like Adam versus Dr. Gordon and yeah. how Adam was kind of just there and like didn't really do anything necessarily that wrong he just kind of gets like caught up in it and then is like punished right. just from, like, wrong place yeah. wrong time. <laughs> like <laughs> you know? overall like his the actors I think the actor's sin I guess you can call it because they all had sins in the film um, I think his was just like lying about like how good he knows the chef, yeah. Because there then his be security, yeah, like that. pride or like you know, right. So as we move through the courses and stuff like that, then we reach where Richard, the old guy, tries to leave after seeing the tortillas and stuff like that. I mean, they're talking about infidelity here. Uh, like, imagine like you go to like a nice restaurant. And you get these tortillas and it's one of your dirty little secrets and stuff like that. You're just like, well, what the fuck is this? I thought you were so. going to say it's Andrew. It's Andrew of Photo, And I was like, I burned the restaurant to the ground. <laughs> there could be no move. The movie would end. <laughs> right, exactly. Everyone would be so, murdered. Yeah, I, I think everybody would be freaked out by that. So that's where Richard, the old guy, tries to leave. And yeah. um, Julian, the chef, orders one of his um, servers to force him to sit. Mm-hmm. And then the maitre d' Elsa decides, hey, 
like, what finger do you want to lose? And they cut off his ring finger. Mm. Basically as a significance to his cheating and... Like, symbolic you know, to, like, yeah. the Germany in the marriage, for sure, yeah. And yeah, that's, I think that's when everybody starts to realize, aside from, again, the, the prideful critic, who still thinks this is... I, I think Either she's, like... Yeah, I think she's, like, basically a mouthpiece for the audience. Because yeah. in our eyes, this is still part of the experience. I mean, we don't know any better. I mean, we haven't right. been to, like, a lot of... Well, you've been to fancy restaurants. I really haven't been to, like, a lot of restaurants. Not a lot, but... <laughs> not like that. Not like that. I'll put it that way. Nothing like... I've never gone on an <laughs> island to, to dine. And then you've never been flown away to, like, this exclusive island? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, all the time, Johnny. Every day. <laughs> Every evening so when I get like... a little hungry. <laughs> So it's like we're getting this experience and like the food credit, it's all part of the experience. That's what mm-hmm. they keep saying. Mm-hmm. But then, like you mentioned, things start to take a drastic turn it when they very- do. What was it? Jeremy's. What was the course called? It was so good and on point. Was it Jeremy's sacrifice or something like that? Yeah. It right. Was something so, like that. yeah. So Julian brings out a um one of his one of the serve, sous chefs. Yeah. yeah, one of the sous chefs puts down this big tarp and he basically belittles his sous chef almost to the point where it's really backhanded. Where the guy's like crying, yeah, to the point yeah, where the guy's like, like tears. You yeah. want my job, but she'll never have my job. Like, like all you're your good, work, but she'll never be great. Yeah, yeah. You'll never be me. Yeah, so, like you want my life, but you suck, yeah. So in a, in a way for the sous chef to basically give his all to his idol, this chef, he shoots himself. Mm-hmm. He commits the ultimate sacrifice, in a sense. Yep. And I think that was, like, so, like, interesting. And everybody's like, oh, well, this shit ain't real. I mean, well, this shit is real. And it's not, like, a performance and stuff like that. And that's where the film just takes a Jurassic turn. But it still keeps within these courses. Like, one of the courses was, one thing you don't want to do at a restaurant is not serve your guest bread. And that's what Julian does. He said, Mm -hmm. for this course today, you get no bread. No bread. Yep. (laughs) And again, like, just going back to Tyler and his, his desperate pitiful need for validation from this chef he's like oh like this is this is so good this is so inventive but margo sees right through it it's like he's literally mocking you guys yeah like he's he's, mocking you it's pretentious bullshit he's mocking right he's not serving you bread and then calling not serving you bread is like some some deconstructed bullshit avant-garde poetic yeah right (laughs) yeah yeah I, I can't remember the last time I went to a restaurant and they did serve bread or had like oh, a bread so basket mad. or something like that. It's like, it makes me so mad when they don't especially have Especially like, like the food critic said, you guys are known for like your bread. Like it's, yeah. it, it was so weird. And I thought that was like really interesting. That's where I started to see like the, the chef's vision for this like whole entire evening and stuff like that. I think for me too, because that's when like at first you're like, oh, does Margot just like, yeah, these people are pretentious and she doesn't get it because maybe, you know, she's not like pretentious. She seems down to earth and cool. But then 
that that makes it really clear that he is just making fun of them at that point like that he's in on the joke too the chef is and i think that's mm-hmm. when you start to see his like anger and resentment like come through like you're like oh right, he yeah. hates these people like he's not this hoity-toity chef that they think he is and they're trying to impress him he like hates these people like he hates being right, associated yeah. with this tier of people and and yeah the fact that they don't get it early on and still call it a performance piece it's really I think really just shows the disconnect he he's had with these like this yeah. industry that he's like made all this success for and he's like but at what cost right and I love that that adds to the dark humor just the absurdity of these characters and really the chef and margot not that the chef is not sane but the chef and margot being like the only two that really actually I I really do think the chef is in, uh is sane I don't think he's He's had like some psychotic break or anything like that. This is one of the the very few films where I think the villain is within their their right mind. Yes, he he yeah, did like I can see that go through this like this torturous nine course menu, but the way he speaks, the way Ralphie speaks. It's almost like in vain with like his character uh Lord Voldemort on Harry Potter. It's very like calm and love his voice. He has like yes. a, a a commanding presence. Yes. In a sense. And he, he never really gets angry except for when he notices Margot's part not part of the um not part of the plan. So right. he asks her to come back, identifying her as a fellow worker and that's when we come to learn that she is a sex worker and that's where Richard knows her from which I I thought was interesting because he also wanted her to call him daddy and his wife said she resembled their daughter daughter yeah which was weird so he had some type of um what's the word I think it's called a Freudian um complex or something like that but like yeah, reverse. Like, like, the, like the like freud coined it it was like the oedipus complex or whatever right, yeah. yeah something like that i thought that was like entirely weird it's, but that i digress i mean do what you want to do but <laughs> <laughs> it's just not yeah. for me <laughs> well again kind so, of just adding to the thing of like rich rich weird people are kind of abusive to service workers i think that's mm-hmm. a big theme in this that they're kind of abusive and and you know not just kind of but like very and also like kind of weird and cringy like a lot of the stuff that like right, yeah. people exactly. do is like weird, cringy stuff and we all just say oh that's normal but like it's not normal you know <laughs> right so throughout this whole experience like uh the julian really discovers Margot is not part of the menu not supposed to be here but he does identify her as a fellow industry worker and he pulls her aside and throughout the film he's trying to get her to come to his side like you're not supposed to be here like this isn't for you and it's not like in a demeaning way it's just like you're innocent in all this right like you see through the bullshit she calls him out multiple times throughout the like dining experience where she challenges him and i think that's what he was looking for Right, because what I didn't realize at first was that he likes it. And then, like, the more they do back and forth, and I loved, because they're both such good actors, Ralph Fiennes and Anya Taylor-Joy, I loved 
their interactions. Like anytime just the two of them were on screen and it was like only the two of them speaking, those right. for me were like the most powerful moments of the film because like, damn, they're just both such good actors. <laughs> really, I, I, really- I mentioned this to you in a text where like Anna Tyler Joy, like her, her face, it's very like, it's very distracting to me. She's like she almost yeah yeah like she almost reminds me of like a fish in a sense like a like when you like puck your lips like yeah, like yeah, yeah. kind of like face going on yeah. yeah exactly so it was it was kind of distracting but she's a great actress and we we start to see Julian increasingly become frustrated and more in a sense careless like he doesn't care for the act that he doesn't care for the role that he's trying to portray to these these assholes in a sense. Even though, right. like I said, I, I, I don't think the actor was more so like an asshole. Like right. he he just lied and said that he knew the chef personally. And that, that's all he did. But we we see him do like increasingly disturbing things where he decides to kill his investor. So now he basically has no ties. We all see where this is going to end. Yeah. And like now the chef is not beholden to anyone. Right, now exactly. He's so fully in charge. <laughs> the third act, he has uh Tyler come up and demonstrate his cooking skills. The oh, cooking skills awesome. that he, he he famously tries to portray that he knows so much about food or I'm such a good cook and I'm such in this and this. He's like, it's I like, watched well, every cooking show. I've read every cookbook. Right, yeah, yeah. Like, foodie. well, true to us. Like, please show us your, show us your talents. And he just makes this disgusting fool. And they call this course Tyler's, Tyler's bullshit. bullshit. And I absolutely <laughs> love that. So good. That's that's my favorite instance of them making fun of like one of the guests in the film is Tyler's bullshit. And we also find out. Right, I think right before or during Tyler's bullshit course, that um, he invited Margot, but he knew something that Margot did not know when he hired her to come to this thing with him. He knew they were all going to die that night. Right, absolutely, yeah. He didn't care, so he would be killing this this sex worker, getting her killed, pretty much. That's even though he right, was going to and die she too. got like extremely pissed off at him. Because yeah. at the yeah, at the end of the day, he did so know. Sadistic and evil, yeah. And he didn't I, invite, like his I, real I just, girlfriend, yeah. find out. Yeah, he he, he was such an asshole. Like it, he was yes. such an asshole, and I I think more so he was the villain of the film. I think so too. Yeah, uh, him yeah, and like we, some the crazy we, rich people. We get to like so after that, he he whispers something into Tyler's ear after this this display of Tyler's bullshit. And he hangs himself. Tyler hangs himself. <laughs> and yep. I just think that more speaks to like the controlling nature of and the um, star power of Julian. Yes. Because now there's two people who have committed suicide because of his status and his just, um his like, aura. Yeah, just because like he broke their ego pretty much. Right, like, yeah, exactly. Because he like broke their brains. <laughs> so as we come down to the closing film, everybody knows eventually how this how their night is going to end, how their dinner is going to end. But Marco decides to make one last ditch effort to challenge him. And I don't think she was like plotting her escape at that point. I don't but think so. But I either. think she knew that 
I'm not on the side of the the customers. I'm on the side of the the right. the restaurant workers. And because and she, yeah. he sees something in his office right before that, because she does a go into frame, his office. Yeah, a framed old reason. photo of Julian. Okay. Like a line yeah. cook. Yeah. yeah. Like well, a he was like a burger, a burger place, like one yes. of his first jobs. Yeah, and he's so, actually smiling in the photo. Like he actually right. looks like a happy, young, like, you know, passionate dude. Right. The first time we ever seen him smile throughout the whole yeah. film. Exactly. So she challenged him to make a a cheeseburger. And I like how she like uh, acts for the cheeseburger. She's like, not some deconstructed avant-garde bullshit. Like uh, <laughs> just a real because it's like you, you know what restaurants you're in. Like all of their plates and dishes were deconstructed. I mean, for God's sake, you fed them a rock. Yeah, with like God, flowers oh on God. it. With like, oh God, I know it's so pretentious. It's like when you go to like restaurants here in Philly are getting bad for this too. I feel like mm-hmm. to a degree. It's like when I go somewhere and I ask for French fries, I don't want like some weird like potato triangles that are like. <laughs> Right, with 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 uh, Dolston, uh, um, juice sauce or fucking uh, like garlic truffle oil, right. and it's we like, we no, based like, it I for like want to go to a bar, and eat a minutes. big old yeah. thing of greasy French fries and ketchup, dude. Like, that's well, yeah, it's like I, I, that's why I don't go to like those like high end restaurants any. Like I I've been like once or twice, and that was like for a company event, but it's it's just not my style. And like you said, like some deconstructed like bullshit. Like don't fucking, don't fucking feed me when I ask for a hamburger. You decide to make the the lettuce into like a triangle with like the a piece this big, and like separate like a, a pepperoni, a, a bun, like cut in half that you decided to like split with some other table and stuff like that, and just like leave it like scattered across the plate. And like drizzle some fucking whatever you want to call it across the plate, and then like sherbet it like I'm fucking uh, Gordon Ramsay or something like that. Like right. that's it's what like you nothing. expect, yeah, at a Michelin star restaurant. But no, Margo decides to order a good old fashioned American cheeseburger, and we see the scenes of him like making a cheeseburger, mm-hmm. and it's so well done. It's like so well done. Like the burger yeah. looks absolutely juicy. It looks good. It's a good, it made me hungry. Like, it exactly. Me hungry. Like, like nothing the first else looked appetizing time. in that whole film. That looked just awesome. Although the, the, the chicken the chicken thigh did look good with the, the scissors. Look good. Chicken looked good. Yeah, that's true. Chicken that's looked true. good, but everything else was just like bullshit, avant-garde. And it's, uh, first of all, I don't even know how people eat at that. Well, a lot of people say they don't eat it. They like, it's for the experience. I know, but I'm like, then what the what the hell? Then like, what the, what the fuck is the point? Like, I'll still because be hungry. I'm, after I, this? I'm leaving like to... this this thousand dollar restaurant, and I'm still fucking I'm... hungry. Yeah, like, what <laughs> and the it's hell? just like, well, well, what the fuck was the point? Well, I, I could love that this, about this movie. I love that this movie is like it, it really felt good. Just that like this movie was made just to like point that absurdity out, basically. <laughs> like, right? Yeah, like, exactly. It's it's I making a mockery that. of like the restaurant industry as a whole. Because it's gotten out of hand, like, to be honest. It's gotten, right. like, too, and I saw like, this, like, yeah. this TikTok one time. And it's kind of reminiscent of, like, the final, like, course. Where this t- these people come to this table. And on the table is, like, a black cloth. And, like, three, three servers come out. 
and they like sprinkle like dust. Um, one person like like throws some like um some vapor type thing on the table that doesn't stick to the table. And then there's another guy that like comes around and like drizzles like um like some white sauce across the table. No place, nothing like that. And then the chef finally comes out and he lights the table on fire and then everybody just leaves. And I'm like, what the fuck is that? What even was that? Yeah, it's kind of like salt thing. Exactly. And that's what happens at the end. And Margot, eating her burger and stuff like that, she asks, can she take it to go? Which I think was like clever line. Very clever. Very Very clever. I absolutely love that line. And the way they look and exchange that look between the two. Because he like, respects he, her. He doesn't respect yeah. anybody else. But the reason I think, yeah, he lets her take it to go is because, like, they look at each other. And, yeah, in that moment, they share, like, a mutual respect. Right. And we, we, we so skipped badass. one of my favorite lines in, uh, in the film where the, the actor's assistant asks, um, like, and am I going to die? And he asks, what school did you go to? And she said, Brown. He said, student loan. She said, no. He's like, I'm sorry. You're going to die. You're going to die. Yeah, exactly. You're going to die. I thought that was like such a funny lie. Like, oh, like, no, like <laughs> yeah, you have rich parents. No, you're, you're, you're getting yeah. from this. <laughs> that is so funny. And it's so true. But I love that. Yeah, like he realizes that Margot is like not someone that he resents like you know and like i love that he's like well he i think he looks at her in the in the end there when he makes the cheeseburger and he thinks you're just a good person who wants to eat like the good food that i made with love and like i think he just like remembers like if if all his customers had been like margo's always he probably would have stayed like a happy guy right you know? and that's that's why i don't think of him as the antagonist in this film like he I, like i think he's one of the most sane villains we've seen in a horror film it's like yeah. He know he's very self-aware. He's very self-aware. And I don't think like placing like a mental illness on him would really suffice because he does let Margot go in the end. He's just tired of the bullshit and the people who support that bullshit. So right. as Margot's leaving the island, we get one final dessert scene. And I, I think it was so interesting where he said, um, before we get to the dessert scene, there's the matter of the bill. So, and then we get this shot of, like, the financial bros debating, like, who's going to pay for it. And it was like, we'll all just put our cars in. It's like, like, that it's even matters. Yeah. <laughs> it even <laughs> fucking <laughs> matters. So I they all just tossed their card in funny. and stuff like that. that and it's so funny, interesting. Actually. But the, um, the final dish, which I thought was really interesting, and I want your take on this, is another form of a deconstruction where he scatters ingredients of s'mores across the ta- uh across the floor and tables mm-hmm. he puts like marshmallow um straight jackets on the the customers like wh- what is your take he says that's one of the most um ill-fated inventions known to man like indulgent yeah like i think yeah. he said like oh it's like a gross gelatinous with like the sugar do you like s'mores I do personally, so 
I, I don't have no problem with him. I know Conan O'Brien absolutely hates s'mores. He talks about what? it on his, on his what podcast. What do people have against s'mores? The chocolate. I don't know. And that's what I was like trying to figure you out. You burn the marshmallow a little bit and it has like that roasty, toasty flavor. And then you got the graham yeah. crackers to give you the, the crunch and like the snap. And it's like cheap and they're cheap and easy to make and they're nostalgic, you know? Right. I, I think what before. Julian's reasoning was, it was just like, it, it's such a waste. Like, I think he thinks of like it as the, thing. Yeah, yeah, like the lowest form of like cooking in his eyes. Yeah, where and then you like, like put a like million dollar product together, and it's just like it's just full of fat and gluten and all that stuff. And sugar, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I thought it was like I, I thought it was interesting. Of it is like a metaphor for like those kind of people. Like he was like you were the worst, most indulgent, like laziest, yeah, like beloved thing. So this Who is did admit the s'mores. Was it American made? I feel like it was probably American, right? It seems like an American thing, because like Hershey bars, and because I think like, right, because in a like sense, a if bar. it's like American made, then I can totally, um, then I can totally get the, uh, I can totally get why he hates it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. the s'mores first appeared in the 1920s U.S. cookbook as a recipe for the graham cracker sandwich. Cute. <laughs> That's it was really made cute. by Loretta Scott Crow. Oh wow! Yeah, that does seem somehow like very like quintessentially American to me. Yeah, so like you said, it's probably like an allegory for what he thinks of the people. Yeah, and, and I think so, so yeah, so he sets them all on fire, and at the end we get like this shot of them all burning up, and Margot, Margot, I almost said Margot Robbie, Margot That's on a boat. <laughs> on a boat as she's like sailing away she like finishes the cheeseburger and a lot of people are debating like did he really let her go or was yeah. the burger poison and i absolutely i, I don't no, know where that comes from yeah like yeah, he, let, he her let her go 100 percent. because like we were just saying that look he gives her at the end like he actually respects her and right there, there was nothing you know? in that film that suggested like but he, he was killed her, yeah, yeah, dishonesty or anything like that. He's always been truthful uh, in the film, and he's always been truthful for her. So I'm not sure where that came from. Where I like, thought maybe she was poisoned. Like, no, you well, let her go. Like, it's like the whole thing about we've talked about this too before with like John Kramer, like the Saul killer. Like, at least it's like a killer. Because, like, sure, this guy is going to kill all these people, but he's following his own rules. Like, you can right. tell he has a set of, like, rules and standards, just like with, like, you know, Saul, like the Saul killer. Like, he's a really good, like, classic, like, iconic example of that in horror, yeah. you know? Or, like, um, Pinhead, like in Hellraiser. Like, there's rules right, yeah. they will always follow, even yeah, if they're, like, we love doing a, evil a things. killer with morals. Yeah, with standards. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. So, right. the final tallies, um, it's it's a five out of five film for me. Um, I think they did everything right, including the ambience, the way they portray the restaurant industry and restaurant workers. Um, and I think I think the script was just like really good, like really good. Yes, I agree. I would give this a strong five out of five as well. I think it's just it's just something too about like that, like the way it's shot. It's beautifully shot. The cinematography is fantastic. The acting is fantastic. Like so many of really my good, yeah. almost favorite actors. Like Nicholas Holt is one of my probably like just in my top five of like favorite male actors. Like and Joseph, I mean not Joseph Fiennes, that's his brother, Ralph Fiennes. Because <laughs> their whole family acts, just like the Skarsgard family. <laughs> right, yeah. Nick Nicholas Holt has been in some really good films over the year. He's he recently got us uh, 
Lex Luthor and uh, um, James Gunn's uh, DC. I know you don't like superhero films because you think that really, they are though. pretentious. <laughs> no, I yeah. do like actually. Um, the, so one of the ways I got into Nicholas Holt was I love the um, X Men films. I always did like the X Men. A, a lot of people like them. Yeah, a lot of and people. And the X Men, and he plays a beast or whatever in that. So right, yeah. But so, this movie, I mean, five yeah, out of five, it, dude, yeah. I agree. Great film, and that's it for the menu. Um, next week will be our season uh, season finale before we head on break and our uh, extended hiatus. And we are going to look at a film by Riley Koff. Uh, I hope I'm saying her name. I think it's right. I think it's Riley Koff. Yeah. Yeah. Where she plays a stepmother who is forced to babysit two children and then uh, included um cabin called The Lodge. And that's really interesting. I absolutely love that film. And I think you will too. But until then, guys, take care. See you.